I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey everybody, we're excited to kick off another week with you with a brand new episode of the Athletic Hockey Show. Ian Mendes, Haley Salvian with you for the next hour or so. Coming up on this episode of the podcast, we're going to tee up something we're doing all week long on the Athletic Hockey Show. We're calling it Storyline Week. It's the uh, final week of training camp, so we're bouncing around the league for the biggest stories around the NHL. And today we're going to drop in on a couple of original six training camps. We'll uh, chat with Rick Carpaniello from the New York Rangers and James Myrtle on the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we're looking forward uh, to that. Robin Leonard is in the news with some outspoken comments on Twitter. That is certainly uh, getting a lot of attention and traction in the hockey world. We'll uh, sink our teeth into that. Multiple Choice Madness will zero in on some star players returning to their original cities, just like Tom Brady did on Sunday night in Foxborough. So we'll get to all of that coming up in the next hour as we uh, say hello to Haley Salvian on this uh, Monday. And Haley, it's tricky for me when I talk about Brady. All I can think about is Kachuk. And he's like the last guy who's not signed. And now it's getting weird in Ottawa. So I, I, I all I could see was Brady was trending on Twitter on Sunday night. But it was Tom Brady, unfortunately, and not Brady Kachuk. Yeah, it's like you have these little moments of just like, you know, those like memes and pictures of people and you see and they just look, did I leave my oven on? You know, like that's you. Yeah. Like just thinking of, you hear like the name Brady and you're like, oh, like faints a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't envy the position. I think, you know what though? I will say, I think, didn't I say when we did multiple choice madness a couple weeks ago, I said Brady was going to be the last one to be signed. So you I'm did. sorry. I'm sorry. But this is good for me. It's good for my ego, my confidence heading into the season. Is it season two of the Athletic Hockey Show yet? I, th- I, I, don't, I think that starts with for? the regular season. This is this is uh, okay. this is training camp still for us. So we get all to right, work all out right, all, right. All, all of the bugs. All the kings. You know what I'm saying? All the kings. Yeah, we haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, we're not even 12 months into this show and yet – we're starting season two, so figure that one yeah. out. Um, it's kind of weird. But look, yeah. I think, Haley, the biggest story from this weekend in the NHL had nothing to do with training camp cuts or RFA signings. And apologies to our Vancouver listeners. Obviously, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes getting done was huge. But mm-hmm. Robin Leonard in the news for, I'll say, essentially a- accusing NHL teams of medical malpractice. I think that's the best way to summarize Robin Leonard's tweet storm from the weekend in which Leonard essentially said NHL teams have been handing out uh, prescriptions that they shouldn't be handing out and doing it uh, as if it's like, you know, being handed out like it's candy. And I think his biggest issue is I think he's looking at the way his former teammate in Buffalo, Jack Eichel, is being handled 
mm-hmm. some of the narratives swirling around Eichel. And what um, Leonard is saying is, hey, like this league has a history of mistreating players. Um, now, uh, Elliot Friedman, I believe, was the first to, to report this, that Bill Daly, the NHL commissioner, is going to be attempting to speak with Leonard about these allegations because – and and Leonard as well, Haley, kind of drew in current Philadelphia Flyers head coach Alan Vigneault into the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, specifically calling him out, saying, hey, I got the goods on Alan Vigneault when it comes to some of this stuff. Um, Robin Leonard said, I don't care what they say. I don't lie about these things. Watch now when the NHL will try to cancel me. So this is this is a huge story, and I think it behooves the NHL. You can't just let a player say these things without reaching up, reaching out with a follow up investigation. But my goodness gracious, Haley, this is about as salacious of a storyline as we've seen in the NHL in a long, long time. Yeah, and I and I think there was some stuff that came out this morning too. Um, you know, Elaine Vigneault said this morning that you know his allegations that he was pushing, you know, non-prescription medication were completely false. So that was Elaine Vigneault this morning um, at either Flyers practice or morning skate. Um, And Emily Kaplan was reporting this morning as well that Leonard clarified he was not accusing Elaine Vigneault of distributing pills to players. His claim was about the way the coach treated his players, which he believes is unacceptable. Um, Also, Emily Kaplan again reporting that Leonard had a good call with the NHL Players Association yesterday and that we're kind of in this, like, we'll see what comes of the story this week. So he has talked to the NHLPA. Um, He has clarified that Elaine Vigneault wasn't pushing, you know, medication. He just has stories about him being, you know, in, you know, not liking the way that he treats his players. And yeah, it's a huge story. You know, you have a, a current player going on, you know, and and just saying like, I've got, I've got stories. Like I'm going to, I'm going to take this all down. Like enough's enough of the way that, you know, teams and, and, and individual coaches, GMs, et cetera, treat players in this league. And I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do something about this. So, I mean, that's hugely significant. Um, you know, not just, I think the allegations are significant and in, in, in those in terms of, you know, having non, you know, having medication so readily available like that. Um, I don't think that's particularly new. I think Daniel Carcillo has brought that up many times. Um, we've heard former players in the past talk about that. Um, Rick Westhead from TSN had a, a big, a big feature on, on TV, uh, I think last season, just about, you know, how readily available, um, different medications were and how players became so reliant on them. So that's not an entirely new thing, but again, it just carries a little bit of a different weight when you have a current player in the middle of training camp going on Twitter and saying like, Hey, is this normal? I don't think so. And Hey, I've got way more stuff than this. And I don't know if there's going to be an investigation coming. So obviously now there's a little bit of like, okay, well, what are we investigating with Elaine Vigneault that Robin Leonard thinks he was a bad guy because now it's been clarified that he wasn't just handing out medication. So is there going to be an investigation into the use of, of these pills league wide? Like it'll be, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out um, and to see what happens, you know, is he going to be, is Robin Leonard going to be investigated for going on social media about that kind of stuff? Uh, are, are all the teams going to be investigated? Is Elaine Vigneault going to be investigated? I really don't know what's going to come of this story. Um, but like I said, I think it's hugely significant that you have an active player going on social media and saying stuff like this. Yeah. And look, Robin Leonard, we need, I think in the hockey world, we need more people like Robin Leonard. And we, you need more people. I, like, I think we have a culture, and it's not just a hockey thing. I think it's in in most industries. People don't like whistleblowers. Whistleblowers mm-hmm. are usually not uh, openly accepted by their peers, by their uh, superiors. Like, right? Nobody, there's no industry that really loves whistleblowers. But boy, do we need them. We need them to call out bad culture. And look, I've known Robin Leonard for a long time. I've known Robin for, I don't know, 10 years, 11 years. Um, he's a lot of things. He's a complicated individual in my heart of hearts. The one thing Robin Leonard is not is a liar. 
I don't believe Robin Leonard's a liar. I really don't. Um, I think it's important we listen to players. I think it's important we listen to somebody who's been such an advocate for mental health. Um, I, like, ask yourself, like, like, does Robin Leonard have anything to gain here? No. Well, exactly. Like, like he, he doesn't. Yeah. Like, and sorry to cut, cut you off and, and you can continue, but yeah, like, why would he lie about this? Because then yeah. he's just putting himself into trouble. If he, What does he have to gain? He's not the one that can't play due to injury right now. I mean, he did um, say on, on some of his, his tweets, you know, part of some of his struggles um, with, with mental health, with addiction, you know, he was taking pills <laughs> from the league. And, and so he – but again, like what does he have to gain by lying about this? Like what does he no, himself nothing. have to gain? There's nothing. No, exactly. sorry, and that's why it's important. Yeah. It's important to listen to, like, just listen to people. Like, listen, when people make these types of allegations, don't dismiss them as, you know, this uh, this guy's a renegade and he's out there. No, what if we actually listen to what he said? And I think it was really interesting. Akeem Aliou, Haley, who, of course, uh, had his own uh, issues and, and, and was very outspoken about the way that uh, the NHL culture was a couple of years ago. I thought... His comment on social media on the weekend was really interesting because he he commented on the fact that the NHL was going to reach out to Robin Leonard for an interview. And Akeem Aliou wrote on social media, quote, perhaps the NHL will feign interest, claim to investigate, and never get back to you for two years and hope the public attention just goes away. What Akeem Aliou is saying is, he hasn't heard back from the NHL, from their investigation from a couple of years ago with all the stuff that went on with some of the allegations that, that he levied that were going mm -hmm. on. So th this is important. Like, listen to people. Like, the NHL talks a very good game about hockey is for everyone and we want to promote this, uh, this certain way of doing things now. We're not like – these are great examples right here. These are great examples of how you can improve the game. and. And Robin Leonard's calling, and this is my my issue too. When people call out a toxic uh, culture, so often we get mad at the person with the accusations. Like I could see, I could totally see people saying, "Oh, Robin Leonard's a distraction." Robin, Le no, like let's look at the story here. The story isn't that Robin Leonard is speaking out. The story is: is there a pervasive problem with professional hockey teams handing out prescriptions when they shouldn't be? misdiagnosing players, forcing players to come back and play. Like, that's the story. Let's focus on that. And I think I think we can agree that there appears to be a story here, Haley, at the very least. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think that these are really, really important questions that demand attention, whether it's what's being brought up by Robin, um, whether it's, it's what Akeem has said. Like, these are not insignificant issues or questions, and these are not things that the NHL can just ignore or continue to push away, push away, push away. Um, we, we should say, like, these are, um, you know, the alleged actions. Like, we don't know. We haven't seen, you know, if, if there are teams who are, like, allegedly handing out benzos. Like, the league needs to find that out and find out why and find a way that they can make sure that that's not happening. Um, again, I think these are really, really important questions and, and important things that both Robin and Akeem have brought up that the NHL, they can't just, they can't just ignore it. No, I agree. I, I want one other thing I want to hit on kind of in, in the headline section of this podcast, Haley, uh, Josh Archibald of the Edmonton Oilers, um, diagnosed with a, a heart condition now. And as a result of this, we'll be out of the Oilers lineup indefinitely. And, you know, he was one, Archibald was one of the more outspoken athletes in terms of not wanting to be vaccinated. If you went and looked at his social media footprint in the last 18 months, there were some absolute anti-vax sentiments that were uh, expressed by him. And now he is out indefinitely with a heart condition. And I, I just wonder now, where this, like, if there's any athletes that have been on the fence, and there have been, we, Andrew Wiggins, a great example in the NBA, of a player who didn't want to get it and now is going to get it. Should Josh Archibald be like the cautionary tale here for here's an athlete in the prime of their life? Uh, you would think a, a physical specimen and all, all of that stuff that goes with being a, an athlete. Um, 
and is now out indefinitely with a heart condition that may or may not resolve itself and may or may not end his career. Like, to me, Haley, this should be the type of story that gets told for anybody who is still on the fence, especially when you're talking about athletes, right? Yeah, and I think one of the things that I noticed on the weekend, you know, when when that initially started coming out is some of the replies on Twitter, it was just a, a disaster of people saying, like, you know, he deserves it. Um, people saying, yeah, well, he could have got that from the vaccine, like just all over the place. Um, he made a decision, um, and now his health, his that, it's a serious health condition, um, you know, as a result of getting COVID from the decisions that he made. Um, and yeah, I, I I don't think that this is something where we should, you know, show put him on a pedestal and say like, you know, he look at this huge mistake he made. This is a, you know, we're not trying to ridicule this man who's like now has a heart condition, but it is a, it is a cautionary tale. I I think it absolutely should be. It's the, this is a, a very clear, a very instant example of the repercussions of making that decision, which was not getting the vaccine, getting COVID over the summer and having a long-term heart condition because of that. And that is something that We've known for a really long time about COVID-19 and, and with all these new variants is that there are different long-lasting side effects and, and health problems that can come of this. Um, and that's that's the thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, people are saying, you know, you get COVID, you just have a really bad flu and then you're fine. Um, that is not always true. You could come out of this with a heart condition, with with other breathing problems, with other long-term health problems. And we're seeing that right now with Josh Archibald and you hope for the best for his health. I, I think that goes without saying. Um, but it, I think it is a cautionary tale of, you know, and especially if you're in the NHL, you're traveling, um, you know, I, I think if you're one of the unvaccinated players in the league, you're actually like, you can't, you have to wear a mask at all times. And I don't, and I have to refresh this. So correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, but I believe you have to be like more socially distant from your teammates. You can't, you can't go yeah. on certain border trips. Like, you know, not only is there the health repercussions, but there's other repercussions for your actions. Just being in the room, your teammates can all go be un unmasked in the room and, and be together because they're fully vaccinated and in that. But if you're not like, you're a little bit separated, I believe is, is my understanding of that. And you have to wear a mask and, and if you get COVID, there's there's all this other stuff that goes into play and you've got your family and your teammates and it's just, again, we've said this last week when we talked about it with, with Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, of course, yes, this is a personal choice. You can make that decision, but there is like real repercussions for those decisions, whether it's in the locker room in your day-to-day -day life or with your long-term health. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Haley, I, I got to tell you, so our, our audience uh, th that's listening to us will not be able to see this on the podcast, but I feel like this is a 100% troll job from Rick Carpaniello, who covers the New York Rangers, because Rick is on a podcast with two people from Canada, and he's rocking a New York Yankees hat. Haley, right after the Blue Jays get nudged out of the postseason picture in the American League. Do, Haley, before we bring Rick in, this is 100% a troll job, right? On us? It would be worse if it was a Red Sox hat. 
because like they were the ones at the end and it was the whole Boston thing, you know, like, oh, Boston sports, like ruining Toronto again. Like what a surprise. Um, So yeah, Yankees, it's, you know, a little too soon, Rick, but it's, it's, you know, it's fine. Yeah. That was the one game I thought they would, it would have been fine. I thought the Jays would have been fine because the Yankees are playing the Rays, the best team in baseball. Nope. Yeah, this is more. Right. This is more like hoping that some Boston people are watching the podcast and <laughs> <laughs> get ready for tomorrow night. Oh man! Hey, listen, Rick. We, this is great. Love to have you drop in here because we're kind of this week on the Athletic Hockey Show, just bouncing around uh, the most intriguing teams. As much as we love to talk Yankees with you, we really brought you on to the podcast to talk the Rangers. So uh, we're bouncing around looking at the most intriguing teams. I think for a lot of hockey fans, Rick. The Rangers are one of the most intriguing teams. They haven't been a postseason team the last couple of years, but hey, if everything falls into place, I think people can start to see, hey, this could be a legitimate, uh, you know, uh, contender. So, what are the expectations in that market uh, this season? Lots of changes in the off season. Are people feeling like the Rangers are a playoff team this year? Rick? Yeah, it's an interesting question because, you know, what happened last May is the owner pretty much stomped in the room and said this should this team should make the playoffs and fired everybody. Um, you know, the, the turnover has been remarkable. The fact is, they were on a pretty good path at that point. They, you know, they, were, they had gone through the hard part of the rebuild, the restocking the cupboard and picking up all these young kids and assets. And they were on a really, really good path. And you would think that, you know, if the Cacos and the Lafreniers and the Heatles and Adam Fox, of course, if those kids continue to improve the way they have, and just Sturkin, this is going to be a playoff team really soon anyway. But the owner uh, went a little nuts there and, and fired everybody and said he, they, he thought they underachieved. So it's going to be interesting to see that, you know, with the changes they made on the roster, in addition to the changes they made in the front office, where this team goes. Because I think it was headed in a good place anyway. And I think the, the old toughness and grit thing was going to be addressed no matter who was at the top of the organization. In fact, I know it was. Um, so they, you know, they have added that. Uh, they've added something that they need in that department uh, at a cost, and it'll cost some of the young kids some playing time too. We had to have Barclay Goudreau and and Sammy Blay and Ryan Reeves in the lineup every night. It's going to cost some prospects some playing time. That said, I think they are good enough to make the playoffs. Um, and I think that, you know, that's not just their goal. I think they really believe this, this time, um, that they should be a playoff team. And now having said that comes, of course, the caveat that the Metropolitan Division is really difficult. And, you know, until the Penguins and the, and the Capitals decide to rebuild, it's never going to be easy to get a playoff berth in that division. Um, it, it won't be easy for anybody. It won't be easy for the Islanders. It won't be easy for Carolina, who are probably the two best teams. Uh, so the, the expectations are, yeah, they're, they're a playoff team, but I think the reality is any team, any of those teams that I mentioned and the flyers and some others could make or miss. Uh, so, I, so there's no guarantee. Certainly there never is, but there's no, uh, you can't say, yeah, Rangers are going to be in the playoffs that, you know, that's just, uh, ignorant. I think, do they have a shot? They absolutely have a shot and they absolutely should be in it to the final week. Uh, in what Dom called today in his story, a dog pile. <laughs> the, the division's a dog pile, and that's that's what it's going to be, I think, all year. You mentioned, you know, they they made some changes, you know, with Ryan Reeves and Sammy Blay, Barkley Goudreau. Did the Rangers overreact to the Tom Wilson stuff from last season and add in too many of those pieces? And like you said, they're going to take spots away from some of the younger players that were supposed to be on this trajectory to being important pieces. Was it an overreaction or the right amount of reaction? <laughs> I think the overreaction is, is in Reeves and in uh, Jared Tenorti, who's going to be a seventh defenseman who fought Tom Wilson last year. I think those two guys are, are an over, are the overreaction. Now, granted uh, Reeves is, probably here just as much because Gerard Gallant is the coach and had him in Vegas and loves him. Um, so, you know, in that regard, maybe that's not the overreaction, but 
Ryan Reeves playing in place of Morgan Barron, a, a kid who's really had a, had a really good first pro year in Hartford and is big and strong and does all the things that they've said they want to gain this year. He plays tough. He's, he's strong along the boards. He's a good forechecker. So he's not going to play because Ryan Reeves is playing. I mean, to me, that's an overreaction. And Jared Tenorti doesn't even belong in top seven, in my opinion. Um, so if he doesn't fight Tom, if he doesn't fight Tom Wilson, then what's the point of Jared Tenorti? Uh, so yeah, they, they did overreact. I think you know the Goodrow types, the Sammy Blay types, they were going to go after those guys anyway. They were going to. You know, I'm sure they had their eye on Blake Coleman uh, before Jeff Gordon and John Davidson got fired. Uh, you know, so they had that plan that they needed to get some grit in their bottom six for sure. Um, but yes, I would argue or agree with you that Ryan Reeves and Jared Tenorti are an overreaction to Tom Wilson. Rick, let's move from the bottom six to the top six. And Mika Zibanejad is maybe the, one of the most intriguing players yep. uh, on the roster. He's headed to unrestricted free agency uh, next summer. So how does this play out with Zibanejad? What are some of the talk about, uh, what's some of the talk about his contract and what that might look like uh, beyond this season? Yeah, and then here, again, this is so complicated because they flirted all year, all summer with Buffalo, with Jack Eichel. Uh, there's, there's zero chance they can sign Zibanejad and get Eichel. That, that just can't happen. They can't fit that. I mean, I know the, the, the cap sites have the Rangers at $9 million, uh, space, but that's, that's kind of fake space. That's for this season uh, minus the, the, over, the bonuses for the kids. Um, whatever it is, Adam Fox is going to eat up that $9 million. So that, that money is gone pretty much at the end of the season. There's no way they can have Eichel and re-sign Zibanejad. So if Eichel is now going to be off the table, and he probably is with his neck injury and all the unsured uncertainty uh, with which way they're going to go with that neck, then it becomes, do you sign Zibanejad at 28 going on 29 to an eight-year, $9 million per season uh, contract? Uh, I think they do. I think they have to. I think he's earned it. I believe that he is a legit top center now. Um, but if they do that, then Eichel's off the table. So it's so complicated. Uh, I do know this. If Zibanejad is not signed at the trade deadline, they must trade him. They can't possibly do the John Tavares thing and just let him go to free agency. You can't do that. Uh, he's He's a really, really important player on this team. He's responsible for a lot of their offense, and he does all the other things, the last minute of a period, the penalty kill, the power play. He does everything for them. Uh, a really good player uh, and a really complicated decision. Could the Rangers still be in the chase for Jack Eichel or, or go back into it at some point? Should they or will they? Uh, I, I believe. Could they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think they have to – I think – the next situation has to be straightened out. There has to be some decision made on if he's going to have the surgery, when he's going to have it, and how long he's going to be out. I think they're interested enough uh, for sure to revisit it. Um, and and, I, and I'm and i sure that he wants to come here. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, what, three or four years younger than Zibanejad. He certainly could be seen as a as a – higher level number one center than Zibanejad. Um, but there's that either or thing and, and the either or thing comes into what Zibanejad has done and his trajectory is pretty good. I mean, he's his last two seasons uh, before the, before he was hit with COVID were remarkable. Um, so, and then after he kind of got over the COVID mid season last year, his second half was pretty remarkable too. So, he's done it. I mean, he's a guy and I, I'm doing a story with uh, where we talked to some anonymous former Rangers and, and a lot of them pointed out that with, in this case with Zibanejad that he's proven he can play in New York and some guys can't. Um, and I think that's probably more prevalent in other sports, especially like, you know, a pitcher in baseball or a quarterback. Uh, but the fact is sometimes it's different playing here. And I'm sure you guys know it's different in Toronto and it's different in Montreal than it is in Arizona or San Jose. And, uh, but Zibanejad has done it and he's proven he can do it on this stage. So that's something to consider too. Uh, obviously his age works against him, but uh, again, I go back to Eichel. 
he's younger and he's probably got more ceiling. Uh, and I think they would revisit it if it gets uh, resolved. Mm-hmm. And just the last one on the Eichel stuff, because I know this is something that we've all been talking about for so long, but I think, you know, the big question whenever it comes to him is just what would it cost? And, you know, what players are completely off the table? Have you been able to think about, you know, what might it cost the New York Rangers to acquire Jack Eichel and who would be absolutely off limits? Yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, that's a good question. I think that um, because Buffalo's kind of, Backed up back into a corner here. I don't think the price tag is going to be as high as people thought. Now, uh, mm-hmm. Kako and Lafreniere are definitely off the table. Um, you know, before say mid-season last year, everybody thought Adam Fox. Well, there's no, ch- there's zero chance they're trading Adam Fox. Uh, so you know, we're talking about another tier of guys like uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, Philip Hedl, um, Morgan Barron, perhaps Matthew Robertson. Uh, Braden Schneider. These are all prospects, and it would, I'm sure it would cost a first rounder at some point in there, and, and maybe even backup goalie uh, Alexander Yurgev. They're not getting the top level prospects from the Rangers. That's just not going to happen. And uh, I think Buffalo knows that. I think they know the situation they're in. Uh, a, f- a final question for you, Rick, here. And it, it's a rarity when a player wins the Norris Trophy on an entry-level contract. But that's what Adam Fox did yes. uh, last season. Eric Carlson won a Norris Trophy uh, in his entry-level deal and got a, a big payday. Uh, Adam Fox going in the last year of his deal. What are the expectations on him? And you kind of mentioned that that $9 million figure a little bit earlier, but let's talk about like what, what could Adam Fox do this season and what could that next contract look like, Rick, for uh, for him in New York? Yeah. I, my, you know, I think this summer... Uh, the price has been set. You know, all those, all these defensemen, you know, Jones and, and all these other defensemen, uh, Hamilton, getting this nine million figure, nine and a half, nine point two, whatever it is. I, I think that's the bar now. And uh, granted, he's a young player and uh, he's not a UFA, so that goes against his bargaining power. But I do think that if the Rangers are wise, they tie him up for as long as they can. And it's going to be, I would think, nine million. I, I don't see why it wouldn't be, why it would be less than that. Um, and especially if he has another good year, and there's no reason to think he won't. Uh, he's he's some special player, man. I mean, you know, last year I did a story with Leach, uh, and I called Leach to talk about him, and he said, "What took you so long?" <laughs> he said, and he said, "When I watch this kid." And I see the decisions that he makes and the way he reacts under pressure and in traffic. Um, I think, did I, did I do those things? You know, and if I did, that's pretty good. You know, we're talking about Brian Leach. So he's, you know, he's, if he's wowed by him, then, and certainly the rest of us should be too. He's a real special player. I think it's going to be nine. I think nine is the number and, uh, they better clear some cap room for him because that, that's what it's going to take and, and they have to do it. I know Ian said that was the last question, uh, but being in Calgary, um, I'm not going to leave this on the Adam Fox note for um, obvious reasons. <laughs> but no, I <laughs> I think, you know, just wanted to ask you about Alexi Lafreniere. I know, you know, there was a lot of expectations on him coming into his first season last year as the first overall pick. What have you seen from him in preseason and what do you think Rangers fans can expect from Alexi in season two? Yeah, you know, I, I'm one of the people who think that his First season was better than his statistics suggested. Uh, I thought he, you know, for a kid who he came out, uh, his draft was was backed up because of COVID. Uh, he didn't have a preseason. Uh, you know, it was a really t- hard time for a number one overall pick with all those expectations to make that jump. And and I think he struggled with it a little bit. But I also think that as the season went on his season got really good and he's a guy who looked to me by the end of the season, although he was 19 or whatever, I think he was 19 at the end of the season. He looked like an NHL player. And now I think he looks like an NHL top six player. Uh, He's playing on the top line at the moment with Zibanejad. But if he ends up playing with Panarin, that's okay too. (laughs) You know, that won't hurt him, but I think he's going to end up playing with Zibanejad and, uh, he just looks like he, he's worked on his skating. He looks a little a step quicker. He looks a little bit bigger. Um, you know, he, he's, he's leaner, but more muscular, if that makes sense. 
I think, and I think it does. Uh, he's lost, he said he's lost weight, but he looks thicker. Uh, and I, I think he's ready to do something special. He had a really cool game the other night. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw the preseason game in Boston, but the Rangers didn't have the puck in overtime at all. They never touched it in overtime until the goalie, Linus Omar, coughed it up and put it on Lafreniere's stick. And in, in one motion, he won the game. It was the only time they had the puck for like a quarter of a second, and he scored the winning goal. So I do. I expect I expect him to be a really good player this year. And I think he's a step ahead of a guy like Kako, who's going into his third year. Um, I think he's ready to have that breakout season, if you could even call it that, after having half a season under his belt. I think I think he's really going to be a top NHL player. Not not a superstar, certainly not yet, but a really top top line NHL player. Well, listen, Rick, I appreciate you uh, dropping by. Uh, this was a lot of fun because, look, the Rangers are absolutely going to be one of the most intriguing teams, and it's nice to kind of get a, a preseason scouting report on them from uh, from you. So, thanks so much for uh, for dropping by the Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks for having me, guys. Always enjoy it. All right, Haley, like I said, we're bouncing around the NHL this week on the Athletic Hockey Show, looking at the biggest storylines. Rick uh, just joined us chatting about uh, New York Rangers. Another original six team that I think is super interesting is the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's where we bring in our friend, and I guess technically Haley, our boss. So we've got to be careful about how we navigate this. It's James Myrtle. Welcome to the show, James Myrtle. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you guys doing? Very good. Very good. I'm a little uneasy. Haley's worried this is going to morph into a performance review. So (laughs) I don't do your performance reviews, man. He's that high up. He's so high up on the chain. He doesn't even deal with people like us. Now I'm even more nervous. Imagine having to host a show every week with Craig Custance now that he's the boss man. John Tilly better be careful. Yeah, exactly. He's going to get himself in hot water with a bad <laughs> podcast episode. Yeah. Craig's like the least intimidating boss in a good way that, that has ever existed. So, <laughs> yeah. You're the scary one. <laughs> oh, good. Hey, listen, we want to get you on, uh, James, just to t- chat about the Toronto Maple Leafs coming into this season. Let me start with this because I think a lot of our listeners have probably, if they've got Amazon Prime, have probably watched a little bit of. Uh, the All or Nothing series, and I'm just curious, without giving away too many spoilers for those people that haven't watched any, uh, anything did anything surprise you, James, after watching that? Because you covered that team last year. Did anything from the Leafs All or Nothing Amazon TV special surprise James Myrtle? I would say there were a few things I learned, like getting to see in the actual team meetings with like the leadership group of the players, getting to see inside the meetings with Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas. We learned a little bit. I don't know if surprised is the right word, but there was at least some things I didn't know. Just the way that the way that Sheldon Keefe acts behind closed doors was a little bit different. Well, it was quite a bit different than what we see on camera and when the media is talking to him, but it was a little bit different than I anticipated. There was, there was a lot more swearing, but there was a lot more, um, you know, he was pretty, he was very blunt and in some cases very kind of uh, pointed with his criticism, even when it was of Matthews and Marner in the in the playoffs or, you know, it just showed, um, you know, a lot of people in Toronto talk about Sheldon Keefe as this kind of like the new version of like the player friendly coach. And I think that there's some truth to that. But it also showed that he's not just this softy that like is letting the players do what they want. Like there was, he was he was pretty abrasive at times when it called for it, and I think that justified given what was happening. And you know, early in the season, he tried to really kind of give his players a shake and say, "We're not we're, we're winning too easy. We're not you know we're not scoring goals from the difficult areas in the ice, and we're not going to be able to do that forever." And it was really foreshadowing to what happened in the playoffs when they had a hard time scoring. And it, it didn't seem like reading the body language and like the facial expressions of the Leafs players. It didn't seem like they really heeded the message appropriately. So I would say that's the biggest thing is just the, the perception of Sheldon Keefe is different after watching the series. Hmm. I think I saw um, in the piece that you wrote that people were kind of saying like Sheldon Keefe is the star of the show and you're going to learn a lot and see a lot from Sheldon when you watch this. And I, I haven't, watched the whole thing yet. I've only seen bits and pieces, but I saw a couple of his speeches and it seems like he was kind of the the main character of that one. 
Yeah. And I think with good reason, just because he really kind of put himself out there. It wasn't, you know, he was on the camera the most because he was the one that was doing all the speeches in the intermission. And then you're going into the meetings and he's in the meetings and then they're at practice and he's going up to players at practice and like being really harshly critical in, in some cases. And it was, it was interesting because, you know, like Sheldon Keefe is like a pretty, has a pretty relatively low profile for someone who's the Leafs coach. Like we've had Ron Wilson, Randy Carlisle, Mike Babcock, all guys that, you know, um, in, in the, in the case of Wilson and, and Carlisle played in the NHL, played for the Leafs, huge profile. Mike Babcock obviously has a huge profile, you know, coaching team Canada and all that. Sheldon Keefe is, has less of a resume, I guess. And this show was really showing kind of his bona fides, I think, as, as a big personality in the hockey world. And I think that's only going to grow the longer that he's around. Mm-hmm. Do you think, you know, obviously the timing being what it is, but the, the Leafs re-signing Sheldon to, to an extension to continue coaching, um, do you think we saw a little bit about why they made that decision um, in that show? And, and I guess just why now and why extend Sheldon? Yeah, they actually did extend him in the summer, but it didn't come out until last week. So that was a decision that they made. But yeah, I think we are seeing why, because for one, he did a pretty good job, you know, other than there's some mistakes that that were made by the head coaching staff in the last couple of games of the playoffs, which obviously are important. There were a lot of things that Sheldon Keefe did right. Um, He obviously has the respect of the team. But the other thing that you could see is just the relationship between Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe and how close it is. And at one point in the documentary, uh, Kyle Dubas says, I talk to Sheldon more than anyone else in my life. And they they really have that kind of almost like a familial relationship. Um, I don't know if I'd call them brothers, but like they, they seem like incredibly close after all the time they spent together in the OHL, the AHL, and now the NHL. And uh, that kind of camaraderie and that bond that speaks to Kyle Dubas wanting to give him that extension and believing in Sheldon Keefe. And I have a hard time seeing it getting to the point where those two are separated unless it's, you know, it just feels like one of those relationships where if Sheldon Keefe's going to go, the GM's probably going to go too. I think like they seem, they really seem like a package deal and, and the documentary series showed why, you know, I think when you look at the Leafs, James, I think everyone sees arguably the most underachieving team in the league, right? Five straight years, uh, Washington in 2017, a couple times bounced by Boston, Columbus in the uh, in the bubble, the Habs, the 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 meltdown of the 3-1. I think a lot of people are wondering, like, who's who's on the hottest seat right now from a media fan perspective? So externally, I feel like that answer is Mitch Marner. I feel like Mitch Marner's the guy who's taking the most heat. Am I right on that? Is that the player who is probably uh, under the microscope the most, or is it Matthews, Tavares, uh, you know, somebody else facing the heat this season? No, I mean, if you're talking media and fans, yeah, it's Mitch Marner for sure. I mean, he didn't have a very good playoff. He had a huge regular season. You know, he's on pace for 94 points or whatever. I think he was third in NHL scoring. And um, But it's been a number of disappointing postseasons in a row for Mitch Marner. And he just looked out of sorts and the documentary hit that home because, you know, the, the GM has a meeting before game seven and basically saying like, are you okay? And like, we need you to be okay to, to be, to be who, who you're going to be. And, you know, there, there's concern in the organization about Mitch Marner. There's concern about where his, you know, his mindset's at after how difficult, you know, the aftermath of all of that's been. And ever since he signed that contract, and it was an ugly negotiation process between Marner's camp and the Leafs. And it stretched until through the first day of training camp. He ended up getting a much bigger number than other comparable players around the league. And, you know, in, in a market like Toronto, when they don't have success, yeah, you know, like the arrows start coming out and mostly, mostly for Marner. Because, you know, like Tavares was hurt in the playoffs. You can, you're not going to blame him. You're not going to get the, you're not going to go after him. Uh, Hyman's gone. Uh, Anderson's gone. Uh, Nylander played really well. Marner's, Marner seems to be the target for sure. What are the stakes for the Leafs this year? Ian already mentioned just, you know, the the underachievement and the playoff disappointments. What are the stakes like heading into the regular season? Like, is this a year where it doesn't matter what they do? They're going to be judged by what happens in the postseason? Yeah. I mean, honestly, this is such a weird year to try and write about the team because like, like 
the team's not that different from last year. You know, like Hyman and Anderson are gone, but the core is the same. GM's the same. The coach is the same. They've added a, a bunch of forwards that are different, but it's basically the same roster and they're running it back again and they're saying it's going to be different this time. And it's like I said, it's, it's difficult to to write about this team because it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter until the playoffs. So we've got this huge, it's basically like having like a six month preseason for this team. Cause no one really, the fan base doesn't care. You know, they, they need to prove it when it, when it counts. And that's what it's going to be all about. I mean, what, what are the stakes? I, I think it's going to depend how the year plays out, who would be in trouble if they fail again. Um, it, it's too early for me to say, you know, the coach is in trouble, the GM's in trouble, the the star player's in trouble. It's really going to depend the way that this season plays out, but somebody's going to be in trouble if they lose in the first round again. Well, listen, James, uh, I appreciate you dropping by. Just Just remember this conversation when you are involved, maybe in our performance <laughs> reviews or things of that nature down the road. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for dropping by. And I know, like you said, it's going to be a weird year to cover the Maple Leafs because it feels like everything's just a dress rehearsal for uh, for April and May. But uh, we look forward to your, uh, your coverage all season long. Yep. Thanks, guys. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right. So that, uh, again, a reminder for the rest of the week on the Athletic Hockey Show, we're just bouncing around uh, with, with some of the biggest storylines. So every show you'll, you'll hear from a couple of different beat writers from around the league. Another thing we're going to be pushing on the Athletic Hockey Show this week, Haley, leading into the start of the regular season, it is our Athletic Hockey Pool brought to you and powered by our friends at officepools.com. We got some, look, and, and for the listeners to this show, if you want to go head-to-head against me and Haley and Down Goes Brown and Craig Custance and, and all the, the people that are involved in this podcast, uh, you're going to click on the link. So in the um, episode description here, the, the description of this episode, wherever you get your podcast, you're going to get the link to the Office Pools um, Athletic Hockey Pool. Click on that. You can join us. We're all going to go uh, head-to-head. And I set up my team last week, Haley, and I 100% did – draft one box. I'm like, I got to go with a pun name okay. here. Okay. So I went to the one, my team is called the name of my fantasy hockey team in this athletic hockey pool is my team is better than yours. I had to take Brock Besser. My team is better than yours. <laughs> okay. Just before I completely judge, I need to see who else was in the, in that box. Like who did you pass it, on it, specifically who, to have that name, Ian? Just, I, I would rather, and, and literally, I, I put my team name in, and within half an hour, I, I texted this to Sean McIndoe, down goes Brown. Within half an hour, Brock Besser went on the injured reserve list. Like, he had some sort of weird thing happen to him. I'm like, well, it begins. Yeah, I was in I give him a bad, bad pun name, and uh, all of a sudden, my team is better than yours, is uh, the, the lead guy is out. 
Oh, goodness. Yeah. Okay, so that was in the USA box with Sean Couturier, David Perrant, Jason Robertson, Brian Rust, and Blake Wheeler. So you know what? I, it's, I did. It's a I good I did pick. think about going with Rust as a weapon. I did think about Rust as a oh, weapon. Oh, that would have been good as like an Ottawa, because you're in Ottawa. I'm Ottawa was... people talk. Rust is a weapon. Rust yeah. is a weapon. Maybe. That would have been really funny too. Hopefully yeah. Brock Besser comes back sooner rather than later. It's a it's a good name. I'll give you that. I okay. I'm gonna need to. I need I need you to help me name my <laughs> my team um, that I haven't finished picking yet because I'm terrible at decisions and I'm a, a deadline driven creature. So the office pools entry cutoff is October 12th, um, and so it's October 4th. So <laughs> I'll like you got a week. slowly slowly do this until it's like the last minute and I'm like scribbling out the worst possible team ever because I panicked and left it to the last minutes. Now, the good news is though, you can go back between now and the deadline. Even if you've picked your team for our listeners, if there's a significant injury or something happens and you want to make a change, you can, you can go back and alter your team right up until, uh, the, the, the deadline. So you can, mm -hmm. you can do that. So make sure Did you Haley, pick when McDavid you or McKinnon. I went with McDavid. I feel like most people are going to go McDavid. And that's the one box in that pool. It's a two-person box. Why it's did McAdoo get the best ones? I know. They named it after Down Goes Brown, Sean McAdoo. And we said, is it because of the MC, like the McDavid, McKinnon, McAdoo? Is that maybe why? Maybe. I don't or know. Or because there's just nobody like him. But I feel like McDavid almost should have been taken out of the pool altogether. Just take about... You know what they used to do back in the day? And this was, I, I didn't do hockey pools when I was a kid, but did you know, like, this is what I, these are the rumors from when I was a kid. Okay. Okay. In the eighties, they used to actually split up Wayne Gretzky's goals and assists. Like, in a, so in a pool, you could take like, I'll take Wayne Gretzky's assists. <laughs> Cause there's one year, I think it was 1985, 86. Wayne Gretzky had 163 assists. And like 52 goals. So he had 215 points. Okay. If I'm off by a couple of numbers, I'm off. But How he had 163 you? assists. If he scored zero goals that year, Haley, he still would have led the league in scoring. It's he had more assists than anybody had points. So that's how they used to, they used to split it up. Yeah. That's crazy. I, yeah, I don't, I wasn't playing fantasy hockey when that was happening, but. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. If you take up McDavid, if you take out McDavid, I don't know. I just think it adds some fun. Like, I'd, I'd be curious to hear from people who choose Nate McKinnon over Connor McDavid. Um, I, I'm a huge Nate McKinnon fan. Um, uh, I think he's a great hockey player. But it'll be interesting to see who chooses Nate over, <laughs> over Connor when you just have to pick one between the two, um, especially, you know, when it's being scored by – Goals, assists, power play goals, <laughs> and all that stuff. So um, just scrolling through some of these here. Again, I haven't fully picked my team, but I think the options in, in my my little box are great. Um, it's it's taking all of my power not to just choose Sidney Crosby, even though he's hurt <laughs> and he's going to probably miss the first week or so of the season, a couple weeks. Sidney Crosby, Alex Debrinkit. JT Miller, Miko Rantanen, Mark Stone, Andre Svechnikov. Taking all my power and not just be like, give me Sidney Crosby. But I don't think that'd be smart and I want to win. Exactly. So look, we're going to have some fun with this. Click on the episode, uh, the link in our episode description. You can go head to head against us. And we got some great prizes. Uh, if just, just by joining our pool, you're automatically entered to win. You get a choice of a PS5 or an Xbox. Um, we got signed jerseys for the big winners at the end of the year. Monthly winners can get a, a, a signed autograph or an autographed NHL puck. So uh, check it out. We're going to go head to head and have a lot of fun uh, with our listeners. All right, Haley. As always, though, we're going to wrap up this Monday episode of the Athletic Hockey Show with a little multiple choice madness. Got three questions for us uh, to tackle. Let me start with this one. Sunday Night Football, we watched Tom Brady go back to Foxborough. It was one of the most anticipated returns that we've seen in a long time. I think LeBron going back to Cleveland was probably on that level for the very first time. Like we, we've seen some, some anticipated things in, in sports. My question is after watching Brady go back to new England, Haley, 
What's the most anticipated return for an NHL player to his old city this season? Is it A, Joe Thornton to San Jose, B, Mark Giordano to Calgary, C, Duncan Keith goes back to Chicago, or D, Zach Parise back to Minnesota? What, what's the, what should be the most anticipated return for an NHL player? I, I know it probably sounds biased, but I've got to go with Gio. I, I think the Joe Thornton one will be great because he didn't get to return last year. And so there's been this like longer period of time where San Jose fans have been like waiting to see him again. And maybe, you know, Joe Thornton's been waiting to go back there. And, um, but I, I feel like I've got to go Gio. Um, he played his whole career in Calgary. Um, you know, he's had such a great story. I think Gio has probably one of the best. Um, bet on yourself stories guy who never got drafted until Seattle. Um, he got sent to the KHL, came back, ended up becoming the captain of the team for eight seasons. Um, captain of the Calgary Flames, face of the franchise, Norris winning <laughs> D, and he gets taken in Seattle expansion. Um, and, you know, he's going to be back December 23rd. So, I've I've got to say Mark Giordano's return to Calgary is going to be um, hugely significant for Flames fans and for Mark and his family specifically too. You know what? I think it's going to be Duncan Keith to Chicago, and I and I agree with you. Thornton didn't go get a chance to go back to San Jose last year because of the pandemic. He just played uh, in Toronto. I feel like Zach Parise and Ryan Suter are like the like like they're almost split in half, right? It's always Parise Suter, Parise Suter, but Duncan Keith. Like to me, Haley, three Stanley Cups, Norris trophies, um, you know, all the memories. And when you think about it, he was the part of the core. Like when you mm-hmm. think of that Blackhawks dynasty, you think of Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, and maybe mm-hmm. to some extent Seabrook and Hosa. But, but those three guys, that one of them left and will come back, to me, that's going to be the biggest one. So I, I think Duncan Keith going back to Chicago because he's got multiple championships there. Um, I think that that might be the most intriguing return this season. Question two, Haley, multiple choice madness. Uh, We're starting to see some initial rosters unveiled for uh, the upcoming Olympic Games. So every hockey federation has to submit a list of, I believe it's three players that are on the initial roster. And the reason why they do this is just simply for marketing perspectives, right? So that... Mm -hmm. You know the uh, the IOC and the federations can start promoting the Olympic Games. Now, Team Canada has decided to unveil its first three names on the roster: Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Alex Petrangelo. So, here's my question, Haley: Were you surprised that Alex Petrangelo was one of the first three players named to the Olympic team, joining Crosby and McDavid? Your options are A. Yeah, I'm surprised. They should have gone with a guy like Nate McKinnon or Carey Price instead of him, or B, nope, Petrangelo is an absolute lock to play on Team Canada, so it makes sense why he's there. Yeah, I think I was surprised, <laughs> um, you know, especially when you when you look at the guys that they would have had to say, like, yeah, this is our other lock, like, you know, get ready for the Crosby, McKinnon, McDavid show. Um, but I also think, you know, there's no question that McKinnon's going to be there and and maybe they were trying to say like, you know, here's our two star forwards and here's like going to be one of the pillars of our blue line kind of thing. Like maybe they wanted to to add a defender in there, but you also could have added in a goalie and someone like Carey Price. But I guess Carey Price is still technically on IR. So maybe they're waiting to see what what's going on there. But yeah, I was surprised. I think Pedrangelo is going to be a lock. I mean, he's still um, like, I think he's going to be Obviously, he is now, but I, you know, he's not somebody that most people would think would be left off the roster. Um, But yeah, if this is like a marketing decision, are people going to see Alex Pedrangelo and be like, hell yeah, I'm going to go run and buy a jersey? Are they going to see Nathan McKinnon and be like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to go and buy this jersey? So I don't know. It's it's shocking, but I also don't think in the grand scheme of things, it it makes zero change or difference on who we can expect to be on team Canada's roster. It's just, uh, maybe they were just trying to get a blue liner in there or something. Yeah. It's weird. You know, I'm going to say I was surprised too. And I think if you ask hockey fans, okay, three players are going to be unveiled for Canada's roster. Who are they going to be? Everyone would have said Crosby McDavid. No one's questioning that. I feel like most people would have said McKinnon next. 
I guess my point is, I feel like Petrangelo would have been like the the twelfth, the thirteenth player yeah. that fans picked. I'm not saying he is a lock there. I just think when you're talking yeah. about marketability and visibility, yeah. I was surprised they did that. But I think Petrangelo is a, a wonderful defenseman and he's a lock. Yeah. Uh, lock even player. even say Patrice Bergeron or something, you know? Yeah. One of yeah, the other exactly. Halifax guys. I don't or know. Or Marchand. It's a good thing we're on a podcast because we're on TV. I'm waving my hands around like a yeah. one of those yeah, noodle guys in the parking here. lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. One last the question. Halifax line. <laughs> yeah. The, all three of them from from uh, from Halifax. Okay. I got to ask you, last question. We're going to go back to the fantasy hockey world again here, Haley. Okay. And I'm going to give you the choice of, and this is something I'm sure a lot of hockey fans will be debating as they uh, they, they have their hockey pools. Hey, listen, five or six years ago, these guys might have gone in the first round of any hockey draft because they were Norris. They've all you know kind of been Norris caliber, Norris Trophy winning defensemen. They've been big point guys in the past as well. Which of these veteran defensemen, Haley, would you take first overall, or first out of these uh, veteran defensemen if you were drafting your fantasy team? Is it A, Eric Carlson, B, Brent Burns, C, Drew Doughty, or D, Mark Giordano? They're all kind of on the West Coast now. They're all, you know, Seattle, uh, San Jose, L.A. You can pick one of these guys first as a veteran D on your fantasy team. Who are you going with? Ooh. Why don't you ever go first? I I can like, go I, I, I don't know why, first. but... I, yeah, you go. Let me think for a second. <laughs> I and but see now I'm not going to use the pun factor here, but I I think I would go Drew Doughty. And I think yeah, that Doughty I feel like he kind of has the most What's a way of putting this? Like tread left on the tire, so to speak. Like he's got the most and yeah. he seems like the type of guy that just wants to come back and stick it to everybody and he's mm-hmm. super motivated. Not that the other guys aren't motivated, but just I think in terms of where I can see, I almost feel like Carlson and Burns are going to split the touches mm-hmm. uh, to some extent. Like you, like, and Giordano, I don't know what to expect out of the Kraken. He's probably going to be their their top pairing guy, and he's probably going to play a huge role. But I think I would take Drew Doughty in terms of getting me some points in the fantasy world. I would go with Doughty. Yeah, I hate that we agree, but I was going to go with Drew Doughty too. And I think if you just look at like the teams that these guys are on too, I don't know. I don't think the Kings are quite out of the basement yet. I I don't think they're going to turn the corner that instantly, but I do think the Kings like made some really good uh, moves and acquisitions this off season. You know, if Quentin Byfield takes a a nice step and he's in the NHL full time this year, um, you know, you, you added some, some good pieces in the off season and LA and, you know, it was a lot of it, you know, Drew Doughty was very, very clear at locker clean out last season, which felt like it was only a month ago. But, you know, just saying, like, I'm not happy with the direction of this team. And, like, I'm not – I don't want to just keep rebuilding and being terrible. Like, we need to do something. And, and the Kings went out and did stuff. And I think the Kings will be better. And I think Drew Doughty is still an important piece of that team. And, like, you know, you can say – we can have the debate of how good or bad he is, if he's going to be on Team Canada or not, but he is super motivated. And I think he, out of all those D that were listed, I think he had the most goals and points. So if, if we're talking fantasy and we just want those those fantasy points, then probably going to go with Drew Doughty. And, and he's – Drew specifically usually plays around the most minutes in the league, or at least he used to. I haven't looked in on that before, but – um, Drew is typically at the top in terms of average time on ice per season. So if we're talking fantasy, I'd go with Drew Doughty because the Sharks are just not going to be good next year. They're a mess. Yeah. Listen, when we and when we come back next week, by the way, you and I are going to shift shows with the Americans uh, next mm-hmm. week because uh, Customs and Gentilly, it's not a holiday for them on Monday. So you and I, I think are going to come back and we're going to do the Tuesday edition of the athletic hockey show next week. And by that time, Haley, I expect you to have a selected your entire fantasy hockey team and B more importantly, come up with a pretty good pun name mm-hmm. that the listeners are going to appreciate. That's your homework. I don't, I don't like giving out homework on the show, but that's your homework for one week from mm-hmm. now. I'll yeah, I'll, I'll get it done. We've got, I've got eight days till the 12th, right? I can do it. I just know I'm going to get a Slack message from you on the 12th morning. I forgot. Haven't picked your team and you need a pun. Can you actually name my name and pass it off that I did it? <laughs> yeah, I will for sure. Because I, whatever I do, you're going to just roll your eyes at. So. I don't know. I'm not, um, I'm not a, I don't have, my sense of humor 
is not in puns. I'm not a, a punny person. Um, my sense of humor is the dry, sarcastic, and kind of rude varietal. <laughs> Where it's like, is Haley really mean or is she just joking? I'm not sure. And I'm like, "Eh, that's part of the fun. I'm like, I'm like, can it be both? Yeah, exactly. It's a mix of both. (laughs) I really enjoy watching things like Curb Your Enthusiasm. So maybe that's where some of my really dry and just kind of mean sense of humor comes from. Cynical. Yeah. Cynical Cynical old Larry David. That's me. Yeah, that's you. Trapped in the body of a... uh, Calgary Flames beat reporter in her 20s. You are Larry David. It's me. Okay, we're going to leave it there. We're going to leave it there. And uh, again, you got some homework. And some homework, too, for our listeners. Again, when you check out the uh, the description of this uh, episode, you're going to get a link. You can join our, uh, our fantasy hockey pool. We'd love to go head-to-head with you. And uh, thanks for listening to this edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. And while you're uh, checking out uh, that uh, you know, description of the episode, you can leave us a rating review. We appreciate that. We want to remind you, you can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Get all of the bonus content from our entire network and start with a 30-day free trial. And then it's just 99 cents a month after that as well. Annual subscriptions to The Athletic, they're 50% off when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.